This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. Today, my guest was my good friend, Charlie Gould. Um, Charlie is somebody I've been watching from afar. I think we've been kind of running in the same crowds for a good period of time as far as people that we go and learn from and people that we we draw you know, content and education from. And uh, I had stumbled on a post from uh, my coach, Cody McBroom, talking about some strength tests. And I went and looked into it and come to find out Charlie had written an article about you know, different options and different ways you can find out, you know, if you have adequate, you know, total body strength and, you know, here was these tests. And then ultimately this landed me on his social media page. And what I found was just an entire collage of just great information, cool exercises, and, um, you know, just stuff that can be helpful every single day. So, uh, finally, you know, just kind of reached out to him and I was like, Hey, Charlie, let's, uh, let's get together. Let's have a conversation on the show. And, uh, today is just that we go into uh, really a deep dive on program design, his exact approach to how he creates programs for people. Um, some, some cool life advice at the end, and then keeping your training for the most part, uh, smart and, uh, pain-free. And I'm, I'm super excited for you guys to listen and say this was a great interview we could have gone on for about another hour and we're even talking about getting back together uh come january february of next year and and going through some more questions because uh it's always funny i always prepare for these things and and write up like these big elaborate you know lists of questions that we only got through four or five of them but great conversation um do me a favor as always uh, let's start off by taking a screenshot on your phone, posting it on your Instagram story, and then tagging both Charlie and I in it. He is at Charlie Gould SCC on Instagram, um, and I am at Coach Cody Smith. Guys, the reason why we always ask you to do that is because we want to know what people out there are really, you know, gaining knowledge and, and learning from us. And it's always cool to see those shares and those posts on your story. So take that screenshot, post on your story, and then tag us both in it. And then without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get Charlie on here and we will talk to you on the next episode. All right, you guys. Hey, welcome back to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. Today, I'm super, super fortunate to have my friend Charlie on here. Um, I was just telling him before we hopped onto the show that I'd actually come across his content and some of his information from uh, a post by uh, my coach, who you guys know very well, uh, Mr. Cody McBroom. And he had shared some of his stuff. And then I found myself kind of scrolling like you do and getting kind of stuck in the loop of information and uh, stumbled on his articles. And I was like, hey, man, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to him and see if he'll come on the show. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure within a couple minutes we had connected and you're like, dude, let's do it. Let's set it up. So, uh, Charlie, I appreciate your time today, man. Welcome to the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Awesome. So really before, you know, before really any podcast, we always like to kind of set the stage as like who the person is, where they come from, um, their training background, the whole thing. So uh, in a nutshell, Charlie, uh, wh- you know, how did you get to where you are? What's your background? What, what's it, what is the story of uh, the man behind all of the crazy content that I find on your social media account? Yeah. So uh, to make a long story short, I was a lifelong athlete, like many of us. Uh, grew up playing football, basketball, baseball. Um, and I mean, like a lot of coaches, you know, you, you get into training as soon as you see how, hey, you know, this training thing, it's improving my performance. I feel better. I look better. You know, you get the muscle going once you hit that certain age. Sure. Um, but then I, I kept going with baseball. That was, that was my big thing. Um, I played in college at William & Mary in Virginia. Um, and then I was 
fortunate to get drafted by the Oakland Athletics, and I played in their minor league organization. Um, and then I actually retired, um, and then I hopped pretty much straight into fitness as soon as I finished. That was uh, about four years ago. Um, and then I started training athletes. So we started uh, pretty small. We had like 15 to 20 athletes. We've grown, and now we work with uh, over 100 athletes from every sport you can imagine, baseball, basketball, to, you know, archery and horseback riding. So we got the whole nine yards. Um, started doing some writing for T Nation about two years ago and then have branched out into a few different websites like the bodybuilding, the stack, Simply Faster. Um, so, so long story short, yeah, the athletic career got me into it. Um, fortunately worked out to the point where, uh, the lady now wife brought me to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So that's where I am. Yeah. So where are you from originally? I'm from Chicago. Okay. Uh, yep. You said, you said William and Mary, I'm actually, I'm actually from Virginia. So William and Mary, ODU, like all those colleges around there, I hear that. And I was like, Oh man, like are you from Virginia too? Oh yeah. Uh, so we've been out in Washington probably about seven years now. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> the lady got me to move to Washington from Virginia to my wife. So uh, nice. pretty, uh, pretty similar stories there. Um, so your, your, your time at William and Mary, um, what made you kind of transition? So you, you mentioned you played a couple other sports too. Like why did you primarily transfer to baseball? Was there a specific reason? Was that like your, your better sport? Like what did that look like? You know, uh, kind of two, two reasons. Um, um, number one, it was my better sport. Sure. Um, Number two, and, and uh, it's kind of a little bit ironic how this worked out, but I was never the best natural athlete in terms of like speed or strength. Um, and as soon as I got into like, I was fortunate that I got into a good program when I was in high school, training program. Um, and so that was, baseball was this sport where, hey, if I get stronger and I see improvements in the weight room, then that's like when it's really going to pay off, you know, because mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not like a 6'10 basketball player or anything like that. But I guess the, the fitness part of it, based on like my, you know, genetic um, makeup is kind of what brought me into it. Sure. Sure. So uh, during your time at William Mary playing baseball, like what was your training program? Like what did that look like? Uh, and, and how did that kind of shape what you did, um, you know, after sports and stuff like that? You know, it's interesting. So um, our strength coach at the time, he had been there for about thirty uh, something years, and it was a little bit of I talked to him now so I can say this um, it was it was one of those very like football oriented classic lifts program um, sprinting hang of, power cleans, heavy squats, things like that right exactly yeah, yeah power yeah. clean squat bench deadlift you know um, and and at the time, I mean you just go with it that's 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 the fun stuff um, so so I really didn't get exposed to um, a lot of the stuff that kind of goes around now. Like you mentioned, like the unilateral training mm-hmm. uh, and the more quote unquote functional training. Uh, sure. butchered. But uh, <clears throat> so that, that almost has like opened my eyes a little bit as I've gotten to be exposed to uh, different practices, but long story short. Yeah. So we, we did the whole football based squat bench deadlift stuff. And then actually when I went to the athletics, um, that's when I was really exposed to like, Hey, you know, maybe there's more to this whole fitness thing than, uh, just our big basic lifts. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it goes for, it, it's the same thing for general population, right? So, um, 
we we kind of treat general population as if they were athletes. We work on the other stuff. Um, and I could I could take this in a few directions, but if we're going straight to the training part, we always say there are three things that we focus on. This is what we say with our coaches. Number one is don't get hurt while training. Number two is train them in order to reduce the risk of injury. And then number three is the improved performance part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether we're working with our athletes or our general population, like that's, that's the most important piece. Cause if we don't have those first two, third part doesn't matter. Sure. So I'm curious too. So that's a very similar approach to how we do with like our online clients and our in-person people. And, you know, having come primarily from like the CrossFit background, like it's, you know, the, the go hard, the, uh, quote unquote functional fitness, right? Like I'm really careful with using that term nowadays now that, right. uh, you know, as a lot of us coaches have in the CrossFit space had, you know, kind of moved into another direction or become more educated. We've learned that, that, uh, that term is a slippery slope as far as like an explanation is concerned. Um, but the, the biggest thing we really centered on too, was a lot, like you said, like getting people bought in on like, um, you know, we we're, we're looking longevity here. Right. And those things come first before all the performance markers. Uh, I'm curious, like at your gym, do you own the gym or uh, are you just, are you a coach? We're located within a big club. Okay, cool, cool. So, um, you know, with the the clients that you see and inside the gym and stuff like that, like what are some, uh, what does the conversation look like to get people bought in on that? Because, you know, a lot of people come in and, and, you know, I don't know what age range you work with, um, but I'm sure that, you know, at certain age range, they're a little more bought in than maybe some of the younger folks. So where they're like, let's Mm -hmm. just get after it and go and get better now. Um, what does that conversation look like and how do you get people bought into, you know, this whole, like, look, I'm not thinking about right now. I'm thinking about, you know, three, four, five years from now when you can still play your sport at a high level. What does that look like? Well, it's interesting. And I, I, I think a lot of us coaches have this experience when you have people come in, um, we have ages, you know, from 12 all the way up to 75, you know, wow. and, and past our 13 to 14 year olds, especially working with athletes. Like the unfortunate truth is a lot of people that come to us are already banged up, you know, whether it's like a chronic pain or some acute stuff going on. So we already have to deal with some of those injuries, like on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And what we pretty much tell them is, Hey, you know, my job first and foremost is to make you feel better and at least try to maintain you feeling better. Yeah. Um, and, and like as boring as the answer is like a lot of times we kind of just break down like, Hey, this is why we're doing this with you. Um, especially from like a risk reward standpoint, you know, that's mm-hmm. a whole conversation, like the classic back squatting versus goblet squatting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we just try to explain to them why we do what we do and the whole risk reward thing. I mean, you said that you had the, the history in CrossFit sure. and, and obviously, you know, I'm not going to get up here and bash CrossFit. That's happened enough, you know, mm-hmm. in the fitness industry. But there are certain things like if I'm working with one of my older clients who's, you know, 70 years old and I haven't had this happen really, but if they're like, Hey, I want to do, you know, barbell snatches, then we just go through the conversation. Hey, you know, I'm going to have you stand straight, put your arms up and see if you can get your hands in a good position. And then once they see that, Hey, maybe I can't do this. Well, it's like, we'll find a different alternative, you know? And once you explain it to them, I mean, you're, you're probably the same way. We can get the same things out of, you know, an overhead medicine ball throw. Um, we can have you do like a fast sled push. We can have you do some sort of like low level box jump. So pretty much, I mean, I think if you explain it the right way and you tell them that you have their best interests in mind and we explain the whole risk reward thing, normally that's how we get pretty good buy-in. Um, the big one for us is, is the back squat. And I, I have nothing against, you know, the back squat inherently. 
but if we if we kind of go down that road it's like hey if you're um experiencing like some you know knee issues or back issues we don't need to do that you know we can we can easily load like the squat pattern in a different way um we can still get like a similar training effect and you're not going to be walking out of here all crippled I love that a lot. And, and, you know, two things I think of when you talk about that is like, um, and again, like coming from the CrossFit background to, to tell a person who, um, you know, <clears throat> enjoys the Olympic lifts and, um, you know, has gotten by with, you know, terrible technique. And a lot of them come from uh, we see, what the clients that we see in person is oftentimes we see people that come from like other gyms. And as they come into our gym, the first thing they think is like, you know, where's all of your Olympic lifting? Um, and, and we've done a really good job of having that conversation internally with our clientele to say like, hey, like, you know, what always remembering like, you know, what does Dan John say? Like keeping the goal, the goal. Like if your goal is longevity um, to, to live long and prosper, you know, throw your grandkids up in the air for years and years, you know, in most situations, barbell snatching as that example is, you know, not the best use of our time. Um, so we, you know, we make alternatives like, you know, like you mentioned, like thing, using the med ball. So like slam balls, um, in some situations we might use like a dumbbell snatch or something like that. And we found that that just goes, you know, we can reap a lot of the same benefits without, you know, the wear and tear on the upper body and stuff like that. And then it's funny you talk about the back squat because, um, you know, that conversation I've probably had a hundred times, but it's always based around like, um, you know, what are we, what are we really trying to do here? Right? Like, um, it's that, it's that battle between like what you need to do versus what you, or what you want to do versus what you should do. And there's always this like delicate balance that you're playing with people. Right. Um, but ultimately it's always a, a tricky, uh, line to walk with people. I find for sure. For sure. And you don't, and you don't want to play bad guy, you know, right. Like if we have a big football player who comes in and he can back squat 500 pounds and he's, you know, really insistent on, he's like, Oh, why can't I back squat? It's like, Hey, you know, if I explain, I mean, maybe, maybe for that guy we do, but if I explain, Hey, you know, your goal is to be a better football player. We're going to try to put you in a position where you can get as strong as possible without, you know, hurting yourself. And, and the thing is like, if we have somebody come in and they're a general population client, or if somebody is listening here and they're like, Oh, you know, I want a barbell snatch. Um, but I'm not there yet. I said, that's great. We'll work on that. Right. Like my, my goal is to get you in a position to succeed. So if you really want to, you know, barbell snatch, we'll work on that overhead mobility. You know, we'll work on your deep squat. Um, it's not like something we try to, and I think you're the same way. We try to mm -hmm. take a really pragmatic approach where we ask, okay, what is the goal? What are we trying to accomplish? Um, and, and how can we get there? Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Have you, um, sometimes something that we do is we'll, um, we'll look at the client, you know, depending on, you know, we'll, we'll stick with the barbell snatch as an example. Um, and sometimes we'll give them markers like, Hey, we're looking for this kind of position overhead. We're looking for you to be able to, you know, overhead squat in this position. You should, um, have good hip range of motion. Your ankle should be nice and mobile. Like we'll give them these kind of these little nuggets and these little targets to, to, to give them that opportunity to learn or to, I'm sorry, to earn that movement. Um, have you done things like that as well? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, it, and, and that's kind of part of the reason for, you know, getting buy-in. So if I'm sticking with that barbell snatch, I show them, hey, you know, your shoulder flexion isn't there right now. And they're like, oh, you know, that's cool. I can't reach my arm overhead without arching my back. Or, hey, I can't get into a deep squat because my ankles aren't going to be able to, you know, allow my knees to come past my toes. Sure. And they see that and they're like, oh, okay. You know, so if I get into this position under load, like I'm not going to be in a good position. Um, so yeah, we definitely do want to have like that checklist in a sense. And again, like we don't want to be, you know, 
hey, this has to be perfect. It, it, it is like the good enough is good enough. But you just need to, like you said, you need to find that balance between, hey, is this person going to be safe? Um, and it would get like, even in my, my own training, you know, if I notice something doesn't feel right, it's like, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to see what I need to work on if I want to get to this. And if not, I'm going to try to find a better way. Yeah. And I think that the big thing, so coaches listening to this right now, like I, I think that I heard this a long time ago and it, and it like resonates true to me. And it's something that I share with my team as well. It's like, you know, the, the first role of the coach is to, to do no harm. Right. And then yeah, exactly. uh, obviously we want to get them to results and stuff like that. So if there's anything you get from this, I, f- I feel like we're, we're like crushing the barbell snatch and all it's the, all the <laughs> balls and stuff like that. Uh, it's a great movement guys, but uh, all we're yeah. simply saying is like, you know, know who you're training, know what their limitations are. And uh, make sure that, you know, you, you guys are making the best use of your time when you are together. Uh, so, Charlie, I want to kind of move on a little bit. So, um, guys, if you go to Charlie's Instagram page, there's easily like 50 articles or something crazy in your uh, – I was kind of looking through this morning. I was like, I need to make sure I ask him some really good questions. But there's easily like 50 articles in your um, – and your, your like story highlight or whatever it is. Uh, I'm curious, like how did you get into writing? You know, what was the, your, your early articles like? Um, uh, and, and how do you continue to keep doing that? Right? Because I know it is trying to, to write a blog and then to write a, a useful blog and then get it published on a site that you know, has a ton of traffic is pretty cool. So uh, I'm curious, how'd you get into it, man? Yeah, so um, it's funny because I, I, I do have a lot of coaches reach out to me and they say, hey, how do you, how do you get published on T-Nation? And I give them the simplest answer ever. I say, hey, I wrote an article and I sent it to T-Nation. I, 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 uh, they accepted it. But, uh, you know, Cody was actually the one that got me into writing. Um, I, I like, I heard, uh, I can't remember who, I wish I could attribute it to somebody that said, if you want to be seen as an expert in your field, whether it's locally or, you know, on a bigger stage, stage, um, speak more and write more. And that really resonated with me because whether we're trying to, you know, build a local business or you're trying to, you know, get a, a foothold in the digital world, um, you're going to have to speak more or, or write more. So uh, writing has always been something that I'd like to do in the past. So I kind of just dug into that. Um, and there's so much stuff. I mean, if, if we're talking about coaches who work with clients in person, which, you know, most of us do, um, there's so much stuff that we want to tell them um, or, or share with them that w- without, you know, overdoing it and, and making them confused. Um, but you just get these questions from clients and it's like, Hey, if I can write a short little tidbit up on this, um, and fire it off to them when they come in, or, I mean, even if you're talking to someone who's, you know, a prospective lead or whatever it is, um, but to answer your second question in terms of how I find time for it, I always joke, even though I write a lot, I'm like the most inefficient writer. Um, you say efficient, inefficient, in, inefficient. Yeah. Because, <laughs> quote that guys quote that. That's pretty cool. Term yeah. <laughs> because, but, but I think that part of this is, uh, how I've learned so much of what I've learned is because you have to do your research and, and teaching is like the best way as the old cliche goes, teaching is the best way to learn. Um, so I find that as I go through this writing thing, um, that's how I learn a lot of the information and that's how you get exposed to a lot of these different viewpoints. Um, but I, I, I try to, and I got this one from Cody as well. I try to write first thing in the morning. Um, as much as I can, whether that's a content piece or working on an article piece. And as we do that, as, as I do that personally, I find that there's a lot of overlap. Like we, like we were talking about, like there's, um, there are some central tenets of training. Um, and those seem to come up over and over again. Um, so there's a lot of overlap and I can compile those and put those into different articles. Um, but 
yeah, it, it gets a little, it gets a little uh, overwhelming with the time management, but I mean, we love it. So that's funny. Cause from the outside, it looks like you got tons of, you know, obviously from the outside, we don't know. Right. But you know, we always see people from the outside and we're like, Oh man, like, how does he do it? He's got tons of time. Uh, you know, and here I am trying to struggle to get a blog out once per month. And yep. uh, you know, you're overly critical of your stuff. You're like, oh, I'm not sending it anywhere. I'm just going to rip the part. Uh, so, uh, and you know, it's funny too, you talked about writing daily. That's actually something. So I, I'm in Cody's mentorship and we were just, we were just meeting with him two weeks ago. It was like a group of five of us. And something he challenged me to do was to, to write at a minimum 500 words a day. And then all of my blogs to be, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 words. <clears throat> um, and for me, having that target is very useful. And I often, you know, based off of what study I'm reading or, you know, what book I'm reading and a lot of these things, like I'm not even using them. I'm just, just writing, right. Getting in that practice of writing. Sometimes I use them for newsletters. Other times I use them for captions. Sometimes I'll use it to, you know, record a podcast on, um, but that's been highly useful. And it, and it comes down to the tenet of just like, you know, obviously if you want to get better at something, you have to do more of it. Right. And then really I'm, I'm assuming when you send an article to like T nation or, you know, John Russell's blog, uh, be open to, I, I don't know if they give you feedback, but to be open yep, to sure. either getting rejected or getting feedback on it, um, which For is sure. ultimately going to help you grow. Uh, and the second thing too is like, uh, and I'm curious if you do this as well, is I often will try to write about something that I'm interested to learn more about based 100%. off the tenet of like, hey, I want to learn it, I want to retain it, I want to teach it, I want to talk about it more so that I can go and I can speak more freely without having, you know, that study or whatever I'm learning from to back me up. Do you do that as well? Oh, 100%. I mean, even... You know, I like uh, I like doing a mixture of talking about specific exercises and then zooming out and talking about specific concepts. Um, so I'll look into certain exercises that like fall within a concept, and then I have to do my research to make sure. You know, we have a general idea, and if, if we're uh, talking to a client, it's a different story than if we're talking to a different coach or if coaches are reading your thing. And I take it probably most of the the listeners you have are coaches themselves uh, it's, it's probably 50 50 i get a lot of coaches 50. that come to the show and stuff like that but i also uh, i have a good amount of people in my gym that listen yeah. to the episode and then okay. other stuff too yeah so if we're talking about shoulder health like i need to i need to dig deep into that obviously we have like our our baseline knowledge sure. um but looking into that and then i mean whether that's for our own clients training or you know for our own training or whatever it is um that's that's des definitely something that helps you like fill in your weak spots it might take a little longer and make you a little inefficient, but uh, no, that, that's been a big help to me for sure. Sure. That's awesome, man. Um, so do you have like a goal of a, you know, coaches listening to this right now, they're like, okay, you know, I need to write more. I need to do this. I need to do that. Uh, do you set a target, you know, monthly, weekly, daily of like a, a word amount or a specific amount of blogs or articles? Is that something that you try to shoot for every week or month or whatever? So, so I try to um, write an article every two weeks. That's what I shoot for. Um, and a lot of times while I'm doing that, that's when the, um, little Instagram content tidbits here and there come out. Uh, mm -hmm. a lot of the times I try to shoot for one, every, one, every two weeks. Um, and then it, like, like, uh, right now, one that I'm working on is how to raise your training ceiling. So like mm -hmm. how to be able to train more harder, heavier, more often, um, without frying yourself. So. Uh, like there are a few different strategies that I'm looking into and then I uh, piece those together and often I'm, I'm the guy that tries to write a $2,500 or sorry, 2,500 word article and then it comes out to about 4,500 and I need to cut it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I just use those little tidbits for content throughout the week. I like that. I'm actually guilty of the other thing. I'm like, oh, I'm going to write a 2,500 word article and then I finish it and it's like, 
1200 and I'm just like, Oh <laughs> God. Uh, then I got to go deeper. But a lot of it is like, I, I actually worry about overriding. I worry about like going too much into it. And, uh, you know, I get clouded with like, who am I speaking to? Am I speaking to the coaches mm-hmm. that read this? Am I speaking to the people? Uh, and that kind of affects that stuff too. So I, I'm assuming you have a very clear like vision of, uh, who you're talking to. Um, so, you know, talking about training for me from, from the outsider's perspective, I find that, um, the, the things that you post, number one, are very interesting, but number two, um, they're very outside of the box, right? Like they, I, I find that the way that you use the different unilateral trainings, how you add in, you know, accommodating resistance and all these different things are very fascinating to me. Um, so number one, uh, we'll, we'll just kind of start here. Like, how do you continue to like, what are some, some ways that you continue to be creative with that, that the coach listening to this right now can do? um, to, to maybe get into some of that more, um, outside the box thinking of training. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know what I do? And, and I talk about this with our other head coach. So I, I start with what is inside the box. So I, we block and we look, it goes back to what we're talking about. What is the goal of what we're doing? Right. Mm-hmm. So we have the way that we structure our, uh, semi-private and private training with athletes, for example, we have, you know, a speed portion where we do our, our sprints, et cetera. We have a direct power portion. So that's where we go box jumps, medicine ball throws, et cetera. Um, and then we have three different areas of strength training. So we'll have like our primary um, power movement or, or upper body strength movement, and then our primary lower body movement. And then we go on to like our accessory work um, and then maybe some conditioning stuff at the end. So where I'm going with this is, So we have our framework in place. Like we have our basic um, strength, power, warm up framework in place. And then once we get a pretty good grasp on that, that's when we can be a little bit creative within there based on who we have in front of us. Um, So for example, there's, if if I'm talking about a warm up, and we have somebody who needs to get a warm up in 10 minutes, they need, we're doing a full body workout. That's when we'll think, you know, we're going to do a glute bridge primer with a bottoms up press. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, I, I like to be integrative in the sense that um, we try to fit certain pieces within whatever block we have. So using that example of like a full body workout and a primer, if we go, hey, glute bridge and bottoms up press combo, like that's not something you're going to see very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of just try to piece it together like that. Um, I know I was kind of running all over the place, but pretty much I would say if, if I was instructing a coach who's getting into it right now and they're saying, how do I come up with creative stuff? I would say set your like non-negotiable boundaries, right? Like we're going to do this type of structure thing and then plug and play from there. And then as you, I mean, it, it, it goes to experiment with different things with our, our athletes or our clients, experiment with certain things in our own training, um, find what works. And, and I mean, it's a constantly evolving process, you know, and um, it's a combination of experiencing it, training yourself, reading different stuff that other coaches are putting up um, and then trying it out. Sure. And something I think that um, you, you what I'm getting from that, number one, is um, I think a lot of coaches are always like looking for like the thing to program. Right. Or like like the perfect program. And sometimes it's like, you know, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like. Um, paralysis by analysis right like we're gonna we're gonna make like the best possible thing ever and then we end up either making the worst possible thing ever or not doing anything at all um so that's the first thing and just remember like there's not 
like a one size fits all. And something I love that you said in there is like to experiment. Right. So I, I found that the best coaches at, you know, that make just really great program design or uh, are able to, to really get people great results often try a lot of things on themselves. Right. And not, you know, then there are some out there that'll go read an article or a blog and then they'll start programming it. They never experienced it. They don't know what dose response is. They're just kind of just giving people stuff. Right. Um, but I, I think the best coaches should just try some things out. So to get creative, you know, maybe they see something that you post and then they go try it out themselves and then find like, Hey, I think for this client, this might be ideal because of this reason. Like there has to be a reason for why they're doing something to accompany that. Um, so with your creativity and the way that you do things, like are, are there people um, that currently influence you now? Like where does, you mentioned like, you know, reading what other people are doing and using that and making it uniquely your own. Like, um, you know, where does, where does Charlie go to, to get influenced by other coaches? So like I, like I mentioned uh, before we hopped on, I, I try to uh, be the Renaissance fitness guy, you know, hopping in different uh, aspects. And I think being, you know, at least working, with athletes, whether, you know, coaches are doing it part-time or full-time. Um, I think the beauty of it is that you need to take from different practices. So like mm-hmm. we take some stuff from powerlifting, track and field coaches, you know, hypertrophy. Um, so I like going into branching out to different industries. So like for sports performance, you know, I, I follow a lot of Mike Boyle stuff. Um, mm-hmm. He's really opened up my eyes to it. Uh, John Russ, and he's really a big guy on the, the pain-free um, training. I look at guys like uh, Luca, he's kind of, uh, all across the board mixture guy. Um, there's uh, Joe DeFranco. He's a big one in the sports performance uh, world as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, we sift through our T Nation articles and we follow our, our specific people on Instagram. And then, um, but I, I would say the easiest, yeah, those, those are probably the big names. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some now. Um, but my big thing is I just try to, to take a pragmatic approach and look at all the different practices that we have. Um, and I mean, I, I have, I have constantly evolving thoughts on different things. Um, but, but I would say hopping around has made, made the big difference for me. You know, something that Luca says based off of what you said is like, uh, Luca always talks about like staying dumb, right? Like always being open to, to new things and stuff like that. Uh, and it's funny cause literally this morning, uh, uh, somebody had, you know, commented on a post and then they shot me a message and they asked me like, what is your style of training? And that's always such a funny thing because like, you know, often coaches, we like we, some coaches, not myself, but like, or, or you, but they will put themselves in this box. Like I'm a CrossFit coach. I'm a bodybuilding coach. I'm a powerlifting coach. Um, and, and really like, depending on who you're working with, that, that can be a good thing. But um, ultimately I, I, I kind of responded to this person. I was like, you know, I was like, I kind of look at, you know, how I coach and how I train like an MMA fighter, right? Like I, I, I take a bunch of different That's things good. and put them together. Yeah. And, and um, that analogy alone, they're like, Oh man, that's a great explanation. And yeah, it was because I was looking for something that would like, you know, hit the nail on the head of exactly what I view training as. And, and I think that each of these different aspects of training, sports performance, athletic performance, uh, you know, hit, uh, CrossFit, Olympic lifting, powerlifting, bodybuilding, if these things can be, uh, you know, meld together in a, in a, in a, in a program or a, a framework that makes sense, um, not only does it, you know, keep you from getting, um, kind of bored on like a mundane training program, but you just get a, a bunch of different stimuluses and you can use all these things because, um, you know, put together well, you can have, get a great training program from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, how I like to look at it um, is I, I kind of like to break it down into qualities, right? So we have our strength, we have our power, we have our, you know, endurance or conditioning, we have our body composition, 
And I know uh, in the extremes, there is the classic, you know, focus on one of them and, and go after it. Sure. But I really think, and I genuinely believe this, I think that those all work hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's why taking different parts of different principles is is so valuable. Um, and I mean, ultimately, if we're looking at what we want to do in our own training or what we want clients to do in their own training, we we want to, like I said, we're, you know, we're going to do power work. We're going to do strength work. We're going to do some conditioning stuff. Like we want them to be, whether it's for sport or for life, as well equipped as possible. So if I have someone who's 70 years old and I'm trying to, you know, enhance their quality of life, but, you know, prevent them from falling in a catastrophic slip, you know, sure. like I'm going to do some power work stuff with them. And, and that's why I like taking the approach that everyone is an athlete to a degree, you know, sure. It sounds corny, but I, I do think that like taking that multifaceted approach, which requires, you know, looking outside of the box a little bit, uh, I think that's huge. So, um, that's why we, I, I like taking like a qualitative look at it. Um, and, and trying to check all those boxes because they really do work hand in hand. Yeah, and 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 I want to kind of circle back to to something that I feel like we kind of grazed over. And and you were you were kind of going through your um, your your basic framework, right? Your you know you said your strength portion, your your primers, your power portion, conditioning, accessory work. Um, to the person listening to this right now, I don't know where they are. They maybe they're a novice coach. Maybe they're, they've been in the game for ten years. Like who knows? Like. Um, could we go into that a little bit more? Like walk me through, and I know this is extremely difficult, you know, depending if you have a beginning person or, you know, sports performance or, or whatever, but um, if we could just give it the most broad stroke possible, like what do you feel is a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a very decent approach to training uh, from a framework standpoint, from, you know, beginning of the session to the end of the session. Yeah. So no, that's a good question. And I would say that regardless if somebody is a big beginner trainee or advanced, I would pretty much follow the same structure. Obviously mm-hmm. just the um, like exercise selection and whether, you know, volume or intensity, we're going to manipulate a little bit, but I, I, I would keep it very basic. So we're going to go through our, our warm up. Um, that'll be anywhere, you know, from 10 to 15 minutes, depending on where the person is at. Um, and I can break that down for you too, what we do, mm-hmm. but, so we go our, our warm up, right? Whatever, whatever that's going to look like, I can go into that. Um, and then we're going to go into normally some power work. If we're just talking like, a, if if we're working athletes, we're going to work some speed stuff. But if you know we have a general population client, we're going to go into some power stuff. So um, that'll look like a medicine ball throw. That'll look like some sort of uh, jump. If it's somebody who has you know knee issues or hip issues, maybe we'll do some battle rope slams in there. But I like going one upper and one lower if we're working with someone who does full body workouts. So like mm-hmm. a two, maybe three times a, a week person. Um, and then we're going to go into a strength block where we're going to pick. So I'll use this example if we're doing somebody who does, you know, full body thing. Sure. We'll go one, one main upper body lift and then we'll go one main lower body lift. So um, on any given day, let's say we're giving somebody a um, front squat or goblet squat. And then we'll switch it off with, say, you know, a heavy uh, chin up. And when I say heavy, I mean, it's relative, right? So mm-hmm. if we have, you know, a power lifter, an advanced athlete, um, maybe we're going to go, you know, a four sets of five. Um, and then after, after we go through those, uh, we'll pick three or four accessory movements, depending on what they need. I'm a big fan of going with a squat hinge, push pull, um, something single leg, in a full training day if we're going with a full body workout obviously you know if somebody's going up or lower um mm-hmm. it's a different story but i like i like going through each movement pattern um 
two, two primary strength movements and then whether we're going three or four accessory exercises, um, we'll stick those in like mid, mid to high rep ranges. Um, obviously there are exceptions. And then at the end, we'll try to do something that's somewhat of a, a conditioning stimulus. So whether that's something, you know, short and explosive and we're going for, for four minutes, or if we're, you know, somebody wants to work on aerobic, you know, we'll work on, you know, hop on an assault bike for 10 minutes. Um, but I would say that's the basic structure. I would say warm up, power, main strength, and then some accessory strength and potentially uh, conditioning. Because we're really just trying to hit all those qualities. That's awesome. And, and I love that, um, that every coach that I talk to that, you know, who I respect and, you know, who I find to be extremely intelligent, like they've definitely moved away from the, the, the like looking at training from like a body part split standpoint, right? It's always movement yeah, pattern. And uh, something that I heard a long time ago was like, you know, um, if you want to make a good program, you just need to, you know, um, push, pull, hip, knee, core, <clears throat> right? And if you you stick to those patterns for the most part, and you know, some people take different variations. They'll be like, you know, if you want to, you need to push, you need to single arm, you need single leg, you need to carry, you need like. But ultimately, it revolves around those things. And um, and and I love how you your your framework is laid out because, um, although you have you do it a little bit differently with like your power and your strength block and you know, depending on the person, I, I often look at it the same way, right? Like there's our metric based lifts, there's our accessory yeah. movements that go with that and then conditioning based off of goals, right? Um, so I love that a lot. Inside of those training programs, do you have exercises that you tend to lean on a little bit more? Um, or, or ones that you just you find that across the board give the most bang for their buck? Um, if so, what are you know, just kind of throw out maybe one exercise per movement pattern that you really enjoy and you really value? Big time, big time. So uh, one thing that I, I want to plug in that I forgot to mention there was for, for some, and you guys probably do this if you're working with, you know, some people who are into CrossFit, sure. sometimes before we move into the main strength movement, we'll plug in some type of explosive um, move that involves some sort of load. So, and, and that's going to be mostly for our athletes, but that'll be something like a hang clean or a, you know, a trap bar jump or a, a dumbbell snatch. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that, that would be dependent on the person and and what they're you know trying to accomplish sure but i would say for so i'll take this from in two ways i'll i'll go with um what i would do for you know a novice potentially intermediate and then somebody who's more advanced so how we approach i'll, I'll go squat because that's a sometimes controversial one so so if i'm going if i'm teaching somebody who's coming in on day one i'm i'm probably going to goblet squat then um, we could take that from the most basic to, hey, we're going to elevate their heels. We're going to have them go to a box and we're going to give them a lightweight. Um, and then if, if we're dealing with somebody who is more progressed, we'll probably either front squat them, maybe safety squat bar if we're dealing with somebody who has, um, you know, banged up shoulders. Like, like I said, I'm not opposed to a back squat at all. I just think for most people, it's, it's not going to be the best choice. Sure. Um, if we're going with a deadlift, and actually this is another controversial one. I don't barbell deadlift people often, um, unless somebody specifically comes in and they say, I want a barbell deadlift. I'm, I'm probably going to stick with a trap bar or a barbell RDL or a, or a dumbbell RDL. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm sure that you, you know, all the arguments for that one, but the, the, uh, I, I love the, I'm not sure if you've heard this one, but it, they ask, uh, why is a barbell 8.75 inches off the ground based on the Olympic plates? Have you heard this one? Mm -mm. So if, if somebody, um, is 50 or maybe maybe longer than that so if somebody was lifting a barbell overhead mm -hmm. um and they fell down and they dropped it on their head it kills them right 
right? Because the plates aren't big enough. Sure. So they actually, and this is this is a true story. They actually made the size of the Olympic plates so that if somebody dropped a barbell, it wouldn't crush their skull because most people don't have a, a head that's eight point seven eight point seven five inches. So if I'm going I don't know, I met some people with some big heads, and I <laughs> <laughs> I got a pretty big one myself. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I haven't I haven't tested it. But if we're going on that, that's going to be the only lift, really, especially if we're looking at squat bench deadlift, where the equipment dictates the lift, right? So mm -hmm. if we have a bench, you know, it's going to be based on the anthropometrics. How long is somebody's arms? How big is their chest? Same thing, squat. Like, how long are their femurs, et cetera? Um, and I've, I've heard Stu McGill say that somewhere in the low 90% of people cannot deadlift a barbell off the ground with a neutral spine. Um, that's another one of those ones, like, if we're talking about back squat, I do not dislike barbell deadlifts. Mm -hmm. um, I throw them in for myself occasionally. But if we're going back to, you know, the whole idea of risk reward, I think we can get all of the same benefits, if not more from a trap bar, um, if we're going with a barbell RDL. And again, if, you know, if I'm trying to just hit the posterior chain, if I'm trying to go glutes and hamstrings, um, I, I can get the same effects with an RDL, if probably better realistically. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm trying to go like total lower body strength, I'm gonna get better effects with a trap bar deadlift, quite frankly. Um, so I would say that those are our main, main go-tos for those. Um, if we're moving on to, to push, pull, I mean, the push is a pretty simple one. You know, we're going to go some sort of bench press, whether it's dumbbell, barbell, specialty, um, and of course a push-up. I, I try to, this is a ratio that is, I've, I've heard it mentioned a couple times, um, but I really like going a 1-1 ratio of bench press to push-up. Um, and I can, I can go into why I do that if you want. Sure. But uh, if, if we're going, I mean, if we're dealing with somebody with shoulder issues, um, sometimes we'll, we'll shorten the range of motion if they're bench pressing. Pretty much, I guess, my broad overview is for a push-up, your, your shoulder blades can be able to move freely. Mm -hmm. And so much of what we do in the gym is, you know, pull those shoulder blades down and back, you know, pin them back, um, engage the lats, et cetera. And, and if we're going to the conversation of like what restricts shoulder range of motion, like if we're keeping our shoulder blades down and back the whole time, like we, we are, it's not a bad thing, but like you need to train the opposing patterns. And especially if we're dealing with somebody with overhead restrictions or a baseball pitcher, like we want that shoulder blade to move. Um, we'll throw in for, for pull, it's any sort of row, uh, for chin-ups, pull-ups. Um, again, it kind of depends what we're, what we're looking at. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if it's somebody who's got a bad back, we'll throw in a chest supported row. Um, if, if somebody can do chin-up, pull-up, pain-free, nothing with the wrists, we'll go, we'll mix those into. Um, and then you've seen all the single leg stuff. I can go into that if you want to, but that's, that's a staple for just about everyone. Sure. If you guys, if you guys go, obviously I'm going to post your, your stuff in the, the show notes here so people can follow you. But if you guys go check out, uh, Charlie's page, there's easily 30 or 40 different like lunging variations or single leg variations <laughs> that I've seen. And, um, the, what I really appreciate, uh, when I see coaches do it is like looking at the, you know, the split squat in, in a bunch of different patterns, right. That whether you, you know, vary where the loading pattern is or where the loading is elevating one foot versus the other, you know, pausing in specific positions. Like, um, I always find that to just be, um, a good use of my time. And, uh, I also find that a lot of my clients have a love hate, um, with the split oh, squat, yeah. especially when you elevate that back foot, uh, it really kind of eats people alive. Uh, and, and what I love about uh, the deadlift conversation is um, I often drive my coaches crazy because a lot of them come from, you know, just the CrossFit background. And I've slowly been able to turn them to the dark side of like understanding that there's more out there, but they, it drives them nuts that I don't use the deadlift enough. 
Uh, I'm a big fan of the trap bar so much so that I think after the new year, we're going to be outfitting our gym with just trap bars and trying to, to cycle out some of the deadlifts. Cause a lot like you, I don't necessarily have anything against it. I just find that, you know, there's the margin of error is a lot smaller, right? Because the way you have to load the deadlift up to, to get any sort of stimulus from it. There's also this, like, you're right. A lot of people struggle to get a neutral, uh, neutral spine when they go. A lot of people can't get their hamstrings involved. A lot of people end up lifting with their back, not driving with their legs. And it's just this myriad of problems that kind of comes with it. Um, always, uh, you know, as we, our group size increases, our control on the group decreases. I'm pretty aware of that. So um, we always try to pay a lot of attention to that. Um, and so, that's another thing, if I could, yeah. It, yeah, sure. that's another thing that uh, when I wrote, I, I wrote an article for John Rustin about back squats. And, and I will say um, it's it, when you are talking or when we're talking about group training, you know, even if it's semi-private, that is something that you need to account for. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially like in a CrossFit setting, I know that some things are going to be hard for general population to do. Sure. Um, and, and a lot of times when we're talking about, you know, back squat, barbell deadlift, again, like we said, like, it's not a bad exercise. Um, but it just depends on like what population you're working with and whether people can do that. And the fact of the matter is, you know, you're probably going to have more people who can't do it well than people who can. Mm-hmm. And something, something we do a lot to, to use those types of movements, something that we do a lot with our, uh, a lot of our group programs. And obviously this is different from like our individual side versus the group programs, but um, something that we do a lot. So coaches listening to this right now, if you do happen to program for a group or, you know, you, you have a semi-private or something like that, like Charlie was speaking on, like, uh, something that I've had a lot of success with is maybe, you know, I look at a, you know, a training cycle over the course of six to eight weeks and um, I will progress. Let's say I do want to eventually get to a back squat. I might start with, you know, something like Charlie said, like I even in the past have gone like literally starting with wall sits first. Right. So, you know, wall sit to a tempoed air squat to uh, a goblet squat to, you know, a, a dual or a single arm kettlebell front squat to a dual kettlebell front squat, you know, and the, the, the implementations continue. You can get to landmine front squats uh, and then eventually go box and then back squat. But that is a cool progression. And uh, Charlie, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this as well, but this is something that I've used with a lot of success too, because um, you, you can teach the person and give them tons of opportunities to practice that pattern. And as they perfect it, they can move, you uh, know, and we can, go into like pressing to where you go tall kneeling, half kneeling, standing, seated, like you can kind of progress that as well. Um, But uh, do you, would you, I mean, is that something that you would kind of, kind of co-sign on something that you agree is a good use that coaches listening to this could, you know, implement something similar? Yeah, hundred percent. So we, we do a similar progression for pretty much all exercises. Sure. um, If somebody comes in, so like you're going to have these, these people who want to back squat or they want to, you know, overhead press. So we, we do like having progressions in place for this person who's starting at square one or this person that is dealing with, you know, pain or injuries. And we're going to follow like a pretty, a pretty similar um, progression. So we'll go, you know, with a goblet squat. And then when the dumbbell becomes a limiting factor, when somebody's comfortable with that, then we'll go to two kettlebell rack. Um, if they're comfortable with that, we'll either go to like a front squat or we'll go to safety bar squat. Um, and then if, if they want to, or whatever reason we determine that, we're going to get them to a back squat. We do the same thing. Sure. Um, and it's going to be like the same with an overhead press. Like you said, you know, we're going to start them with, if they need to, we're going to give them a bottoms up press in a half kneeling position, right? Like we're going to make sure that their pelvis is in good position, that they're not arching their back excessively. Then we might give them a normal kettlebell press with like one arm. Um, and then we'll go on to, I like a boil thing. He says, he goes bottoms up press and then he goes single arm and then he goes alternating and then he goes both at the same time. Um, that's like a built-in constraint. You're not gonna be able to use as much load. 
Um, and it's pretty much going to like dial in your technique by default um, if you're going up. And I, and I think that that's, that's another, if we're talking about like getting buy-in from clients, I really like the idea of, of constraints. Um, and what I mean by constraints is we're putting them into positions where we don't really need to coach them and they don't really need to um, know that we're giving them something that's going to improve their form. So like if we're talking about a squat, we're talking about elevating their heels. It's normally going to take the ankles out of the equation. It's going to give them a little bit more depth. Um, if we're going with like an overhead press and we're, you know, giving them two kettlebells and alternating, like they're going to have to control their core positioning. They're not going to be able to arch as much, you know, because it's pretty self-limiting. Yeah, I love that. And we, we do the same thing too. It's, it's almost like we're keeping clients from themselves, right? Like we're, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. we'll slow them way down with pauses and tempos and just make it to where like, yeah, sure. We're going to do, we've done six weeks of progressions. You know, we're, we're going to start to ramp up on the back squat, but your first week of back squats is going to be five second down, five second pause, five yeah, second right. stand. And tomorrow your legs are going to be trashed and you're going to really appreciate the value and all the work that you've done. Uh, so I love that, man. Um, it's funny. I got through four questions out of my 20 that I have my favorite. Here. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I might to get you back on the show so we can go through it some more. Uh, sure. But I do want to respect your time and, and make sure that you get back to doing what you do and, and coaching people on the floor and stuff like that. So uh, my parting question always, uh, Charlie, is, is um, I don't know if you, I'm sure you listen to Cody's podcast, but he, he had me on a show and he asked me, he's like, you're on a plane and you've got this and this and this, and you know, who would you sit to? And, and uh, it kind of caught me off guard because I hadn't heard him done it and do it in a while. So my, my question isn't anything crazy. Um, really, the, the, the thing that I always ask people is, you know, um, whether it's coaching, whether it's training, whether it's life, like what is, um, you know, some of the best advice that you've ever um, gotten from people? And, and if you need a second to think about it, I always kind of throw mine in here. Mine is, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? I teach my son sure. that. Um, that's been something that's been highly valuable. Pedro Schoolian, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but yeah, um, yep. he, told me, he told me that at um, uh, Craig Ballantyne's seminar in one of the breakout coaching groups. And um, it's really stuck with me, really like, if, you know, if I'm cleaning the bathrooms in my gym, I'm like, I'm going to clean these bathrooms so hard. They're yep. going to be so good. Um, so for you, like, what is that, you know, some of the best advice that you've gotten and something you can share with uh, our listeners here? No, I, I love that. Uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. I think that that's huge. Um, that's, I always hear Joe DeFranco talk about the uh, putting back your shopping cart example. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love that one. Well, you know, there are two things that come to mind and actually they're, they're both questions. Um, the first one is, is why not me? Mm -hmm. And I, I think about that a lot when I get questions or coaches asking me questions like, you know, how do I start writing or how do I, you know, get a bigger digital footprint? And I always think I'm, I'm a huge, no downside guy. You know, what, what's the worst thing that's going to happen from this? And I tell this to a lot of our athletes, you know, it's, um, reaching out to colleges or something. I said, what's the downside? Um, and so where I'm, pretty much going with that from like a, a coaching perspective and getting your voice out there is, you know, if I sign up to speak at this event um, and I look terrible, it doesn't really matter. If I write this article and get rejected, um, it doesn't really matter, right? Like it's a learning experience and this is something that we're going to get better from. And, and I learned from it too. Um, so like from a coaching perspective and like getting confidence in there, that's what I always ask, you know, why not me keep going and pushing for it. And then the other one I think I'm going to go with, and uh, I think this was Luca, it was, uh, and I ask myself this continually throughout the day is uh, what would the best coach in the world do? Oh, and yeah. I think, I think that this could really be applied to anything. You know, what would the best you know, person in the world do or what would the best teacher in the world do, et cetera. Um, and I guess kind of from like a similar 
perspective, if we're talking about clients, it would be, you know, uh, I think it's called the window test. So if, if a coach, you know, really well-respected coach, let's say, you know, like I'm Mike Boyle, if he walks by and he looks in your window at your clients and what you're doing, like, would he be impressed with their technique? Would he be impressed with, you know, your coaching? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that if we're asking what would the best coach in the world do, it goes even deeper than that. You know, it goes, are you building people up? Are you um, being the best part of their day? Are you giving them, you know, the best cueing that you possibly can? Are you showing up and are you, you know, bringing your, your full energy? And I think that that could also, I mean, I could take it in a, a bunch of different directions, but I think that goes into like when you're, you know, by yourself, what would the best coach in the world do? You know, would they keep up with their continuing education? Would they keep trying to write and speak and, you know, get their message out? Because like we know, like the, the fitness industry is definitely a, a diverse place in terms of good information, bad information. Sure. Um, and so we, I, I just keep trying to like push in, you know, the, and, and it all overlaps, you know, like how you do anything is how you do everything, you know, what would the best coach in the world do? Like, we're just trying to show up and, and every day, like give the best version of ourselves as coaches, as people, as, you know, family members, et cetera. Yeah. You, you remind me of another thing too, when you're talking and, and um, this is kind of the last thing here and then uh, we'll, we'll let you get off here, but um, you, you know, as you're going through like, you know, what would the best coach do um, be okay with, you know, failing I heard something a long time ago. That's like, you have to suck long enough to get discovered. Right. So like the, the coaches listening to this right now, like I'm Charlie, I'm sure you've been told no a thousand times. I've been told no a thousand times. Uh, I've screwed some things up a thousand times. Like there's been, there's been this growth process. And I think it's very easy to, you know, look at Charlie. He's so smart. He's got these, you know, articles and these videos. And, and uh, I think it's easy to get stuck in that. But um, behind those things, there's a, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of sucking, right? There's a lot of just doing things terribly. So um, I, I love what you said there, man. That's a, it's one of, it's one of those like life-giving pieces of yeah. advice that I'm sure people and, are And if them. I look back at some of my old, my old posts, I look back at those and I'm like, oh man, I can't believe I put that out there. I can't believe I said that. And it's the same thing with like programming. If I look back, I was, if I look back at some of the stuff I was programming three years ago, I'm like, oh man, I can't believe that I did that. And I thought that, that was effective. Um, but that's what makes it so fun. You know, like I, I'm sure three years from now, I'm going to look back and be like, Oh, what was I doing with that? Sure. Love it, man. Uh, so, uh, Charlie, go ahead and plug yourself, brother. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, so I am, uh, where I'm most active is going to be Instagram. That's, uh, my handle is Charlie Gould SCC and that's Charlie with C H A R L E Y. Um, mm-hmm. the spelling that, uh, <laughs> nobody, nobody knows. Yeah. Um, but that's why, that's where I spend the most of my time. Um, I have a website that's, that's linked up through there. Uh, but that's where I'm going to post stuff. I normally go five times a week and, uh, get your reading glasses on cause they're normally pretty long, but mm-hmm. I, I like explaining through them. I like engaging with everybody who asks questions. Sure. And, and guys, it's all good stuff too. Definitely check those things out and uh, check out his articles. I mean, he's got articles on T nation articles on John Rosen's site on his own uh, website. I, I've read a ton of them at this point And, um, uh, even, even, uh, I'm sure there's even more information, like you said, that you wish you can get in those blog posts, but they're, they're always super informative. So I appreciate that, uh, from, uh, you know, a coach on the other side of the country here, I always get value from them as well. Uh, so Charlie, man, thank you so much for, uh, coming on here. I'm sure everybody listening, um, their brains probably smoking and hopefully they were able to take a bunch of notes. So uh, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Cody. Good to connect. For sure. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today and tuning into the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. I release episodes every single week. 
You can find me at Coach Cody Smith in the gym at Virtuous Fitness WA on Instagram to stay up to date with all things Virtuous Fitness. Before you go, head over to iTunes and give this show a rating review. That is how we grow this show and make it even more impactful for you. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.